Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week we chat with Manu Samoa rugby coach Ilama Idemir about competing in the inaugural Brisbane Global Tens next year. But first, the Olympic Games are underway in Rio de Janeiro. There's no medals yet for the Pacific, but if they handed them out for the opening ceremony, it's fair to say Tonga's Peter Taufa Tafua would have been a sure bet for gold. The Oceania Taekwondo champion was the talk of the internet and many viewers around the world after the cameras zoomed in on the Tongan flag bearer's coconut-oiled body during the ceremony at the Maracanã Stadium. Some viewers immediately demanded that all gold medals be handed over to Tonga. The 32-year-old has since featured in media all over the world and was a guest on America's Today Show where he managed to get a picture backstage with Brazilian supermodel Adriana Lima. Team Tonga chef mission Michael Bloomfield admits the global reaction came as a big surprise. Obviously we came here for the sports, but the reaction from the opening ceremony and the war has been uh, unexpected. But pleasantly unexpected is uh, hopefully put a little country on the map and hopefully there will be some positive uh, outcomes as a result of the opening ceremony. Yeah, unexpected, pleasantly unexpected. I guess that is part of the Olympic Games, is that it does uh, shine a spotlight on not only the big countries competing at the top of the medal tally, but uh, also countries like your own, uh, you know, get their chance in the spotlight, they get their chance to prove their wares, and, and uh, stuff like this, I guess, is just a bit of a bonus. Certainly a bonus. Um, in terms of competition, uh, it's always good to compete against the best, and uh, Arnie Jensen yesterday came close to giving the number four seat from Holland, uh, the archery around those money, but uh, we hope to be happy to expect the same kind of standard competition in the future going forward, as we have a really young team uh, at the moment and building up to our 2019 specific games. Yeah, and also for Mr Jensen, uh, you know, very meaningful that he was uh, able to wear the traditional tupenu, um, you know, whilst he was competing, which obviously meant a lot to him. It was a complete new outfit for him and his coach, and it turned out uh, positively, so I would think that... Uh, he would continue to wear the Tupenu at the games. He doesn't get in the way. It was uh, good that they chose to wear the traditional Tupenu. Nothing unusual. But it worked out well, almost too well for him. But it was good to see, especially with these guys of not uh, 100% Tongan origin. They take back their roots and, and uh, are part of the culture and uh, national dress. There has been a lot of the off-field stuff that we just talked about that, that got so much interest, but you've got many more competitors to come up. Uh, you know, Peter Tafua himself is still a bit away away from his competition in Taekwondo, I guess, which is probably seen as Team Tonga's best chance of success. Um, but, you know, yes. t- tell me about, obviously, who else you've got coming up in the next few days and whatnot. The, our two athletes who are here to compete in the 100 metres, young girl and a, a young boy, and also a uh, young swimmer, female swimmer, compete on the 12th, and Peter Tafua on the 20th. Now we have two competitors on the 12th, so the swimmer and the female runner, and on the 13th, the 100-meter male runner, we have to rounds up our competition.
because he's got probably our best chance for a medal. He's got a really tough roster of competitions coming up. We are confident he will do well. Is there any concern that with such intense global coverage of his opening ceremony dress and the reaction to that, that that could distract him from his training? There is a little bit of a concern, and I've raised it in team meetings. I hope it doesn't affect him majorly. He's a mature young man. He's down to earth, and he's taking the on the strides with uh, some of the challenges, which he can't afford. So he couldn't stop anyway. But we are slowly tapering down together with his coach, the involvement in other non-sport aspects of the games. And, uh, get back to focus. And he's well-rounded. He can't work. And he's focused. I am confident that he can handle the both. But we are tapering it down at the moment to concentrate on the preparation for the match on the 20th. That's Team Tonga, Chef to Mission in Rio, Michael Bloomfield. Vanuatu says beach volleyball is no longer a clean sport after their bid to have the Italian team kicked out of the Rio Olympics for failing a drugs test was rejected by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Italy's Victoria Orsi-Toth was to have partnered Marta Menengati in the women's competition, but she was sent home from the Rio Games after failing a drugs test on July the 19th. Vanuatu missed out on a place in the main draw by just one ranking position, and would have replaced the Italians in Brazil if the court had ruled in their favour. The president of Vanuatu Volleyball, Debbie Massa Vacalo, said the Court of Arbitration for Sport ruled they did not adequately prove their case. They were able to replace the player under the athlete's emergency replacement IOC policy. They said it was um, under the medical case-to-case situation. We argued that because we don't think doping comes under medical, but unfortunately we didn't have enough evidence to prove that and uh, we lost the case. She failed her test and yet somehow it's deemed to be a medical issue and not one of cheating or or something along those lines. Um, Yeah, that player has been disqualified, so she's been removed and then the the Italians tried to bring in another player, Rebecca Perry, but then we questioned that because Rebecca Perry had only done seven events, not 12. So then the IOC rejected her entry because she had not done 12 eligible events. So then the Italians went and found another player, the only one that actually had done just 12, and they entered in her. That was allowed. So then the team has now been able to participate in the Olympics. We just think that she was found caught doping and the team should be disqualified, but now it seems that Italy has been given a second chance. Because one of your arguments when this first came to light, this information, was that having failed the doping test, she was obviously a part of their qualifying campaign, so exactly. we, we, don't, we don't know for sure, but she could have potentially been under the influence of performance-enhancing drugs, which could have helped Italy qualify. Yes, exactly. She was tested on the 19th of July, so they're saying that she was tested outside the qualification period, but who's to know that she was not using the drugs or how long has the drugs been in her system during the qualification period? Now they just said that we didn't have enough evidence and we didn't really have much time to prove that you know she was using drugs during the qualification period. I think the best thing that has come out of this is that beach volleyball is, is not a, a clean sport anymore and that sometimes the big guys win and the little guys just get squashed. <laughs> so are you still going to watch the matches in Rio or with everything that's happened, do you think, would it be a bit tough? You know, we obviously accept it. It's a decision that's been made. So we, we love our sport. So we'll definitely be watching and we'll be um, definitely supporting our 
Oceania countries, which is Australia. They went in the president of Australian Volleyball, who's also the president of Oceania Volleyball. He really battled quite hard for our case, helped us file the legal papers. So, yeah, we'll be cheering on Australia now in the Olympic Games. That's the president of Vanuatu Volleyball, Debbie Mesafakalo. One Pacific athlete that will be in Rio is Samoa sprinter Jeremy Dodson. I spoke with the US-born 28-year-old recently who will run the 200 metres in Rio later this month where he's hoping to break the 20-second barrier for the first time. It's the biggest stage and the no better way to make a big statement than at the biggest stage. So hopefully when I get down there, some great expectations will come to fruition and, and it can come out of it as a great experience in the end. And what are those expectations? What sort of times are you, are you looking at and what sort of you know, placings? Is it to make the final? Is it to make the semifinals? Is it to hit a certain time? So the goal is to make the finals. I, I'm definitely well equipped to make the finals. Um, it's going to be a tough round. Um, the 200, I feel like, has just become the most competitive event, even more so over the 100 metres. When you have the, the strong Americans, Jamaicans, the Caribbean athletes and South African athletes, I feel like the 200 will be the best race or will possibly be the most competitive race at the Games. The whole goal is to make the finals, and when I get to the finals, I hope to just let it all go and have fun and shock the world. And so there's no limit to what I want to do in the finals. And what is your best time over 200, and, and what do you think you'll need to run to, to get to the finals in Rio? Uh, my best time is 20.07, but I ran that in 2011, so it's been some time since I touched that. Rio, you, you'll never know. I, I would say anything under 20.2 will be a solid bet to get you through the rounds. And hopefully at semifinals, I do want to hit or hopefully break the 20-second barrier and push myself into finals and hopefully give me confidence to compete for a medal. And, of course, you talk about the 200 being competitive. I mean, you know, so much anticipation over Usain Bolt and, and what will be his, you know, final Olympics, and, and that's obviously a major event for him as well. Obviously, you know Justin Gatlin well, and so, uh, you know, it's going to be one of the events, isn't it, where everyone's eyes are on those events? Uh, definitely. Uh, I think it's a great stage for anything to happen. Um, Usain Bolt goes on to saying that it's his job to save the sport, and in order to save the sport, he has to win. I believe, you know, something else has to happen besides that. I feel like someone beating him can probably hopefully save the sport. Someone who is clean, someone who is an underdog, and someone who can carry on the sport later on after he retires. So I think it's going to be a huge storyline for whatever happens at the game. (laughs) What have you sort of made of all the stuff happening with Russia and, you know, banning the athletes and, you know, obviously the debate over whether clean athletes get punished and whatnot. And I know in the past we discussed, um, you know, you know Justin Gatlin very well, and, and he's obviously had his um, previous issues and, and come back from then and been very competitive. So how do you sort of view all that that's gone on? It's a complete mess. Um, and what's going on with the, the, the authority of track and field and how it's affecting the athletes. I think the athletes don't deserve what's going on right now. The, the athletes, of, the clean athletes, the athletes struggling to make a living. For, for a lot of these athletes, track and field is life, and track and field is their dream. And for some, some money po- politics to go on and, and distract the view of the sport and take away the credibility of the sport is, is punishing for the athletes who are just doing it for fun and doing it because they love it. So a lot of politics into the sport that needs to be removed. And a lot of athletes need to speak up who are clean. And the fact that some athletes aren't speaking up, 
you know, maybe shows that they're they're not clean. It shows probably just how dirty the sport it really is. I know Justin Gatlin very well. Um, I know Tyson Gay very well. Um, they were great friends of mine. They're they're great people as athletes. I I can't say anything towards them cheating or because I wasn't there. I I, I can't say anything because you can't really be credible about how this sport is. Um, there's a lot of cover-ups on drug scandals, and then there's a lot of people who are being thrown on, underneath the bus. So you, you, you don't know who to believe anymore. And, and hopefully something small at this, at this game can erupt some, some new movement of athletes and push forward a, a, a new sport moving, on to, moving into the future. And uh, Jeremy, of course, um, competing in these games, you will be representing Samoa at an Olympics for the first time. Uh, obviously, this is a, a next step at an Olympics, and you'll be a part of Team Samoa in the Games Village. And you know, I think there's eight athletes uh, from Samoa that are competing. The games haven't even started yet, and I've received so much support and so much message that I've inspired them. So, it, being being an American Olympian, like it has its perks, but you'll just feel like any any normal person. I know just another person just going to the Olympics, another athlete just going to the Olympics. You just feel expendable. You don't feel like you have much of a motivation or much of a, a, a hand in the community. Now, representing Samoa, like I've, I feel like I've reached so many more people than, than before. And it's so great, so better a feeling than anything I experienced before. I haven't even started the games, and I'm already excited to see how whatever I do uplifts the people who I've already touched. So although it's a smaller country, it feels like it's a, a bigger community that I've afflicted. That's Samoa's Olympic sprinter, Jeremy Dodson. Manu Samoa is looking forward to testing themselves against some of the world's top club rugby sides at the inaugural Brisbane Global Tens. The tournament will be staged at Suncorp Stadium on February 11th and 12th and will run for the next four years. Samoa is the only international team involved, alongside all 10 New Zealand and Australian Super Rugby sides, the Bulls from South Africa, Panasonic Wild Knights from Japan and French Giants Toulon. Manu Samoa head coach Namalaulu Alama Idemir says to be invited as a nation to participate in the tournament is a huge honour. I suppose the concept that you talked about a while back and the Samoa Rugby Union and um, the governance and exec board uh, in negotiations were for the organisers, obviously, and you know, a great opportunity for us to mix it with the professional leagues, and that's great that that was accepted and got the invitation, and so here we are. It's really exciting times to be part of, uh, of that whole tournament. Unique in the sense that Samoa is the only international team amidst uh, all the Super Rugby in Japan and French-based teams, so I guess that offers something a little bit different, um, something that... Obviously, I'm sure a lot of other international teams would be interested in as well. It's a privilege, obviously, to get an opportunity like that. And with these types of quality tournaments, it's great to, to get an opportunity to, to, to play against professional outfits. And, um, and especially in a, in, a, in a game format that I believe is exciting to watch. And the hybrid of 7s and 15s, and it's its own element, really. I think it's going to be wickedly entertaining. I remember when the 10s uh, were on a few years back. It was quite an exciting concept, and, uh, and hopefully this leads to something bigger. So in terms of the makeup of a Manu Samoa team in that competition, uh, would you look at predominantly locally based as you do with Samoa A or is this a chance to get some of your bigger name players or a bit of a mix between 7s and 15s, you know, regulars? Yeah, we're just going through the organising of that 
basically the makeup of those sites, just going through a couple of regulations and investigating a few options around that. There are a couple of options we could have a look at, and obviously the Seventh Circuit were, would have had a break the weekend before, so it does give us a lot of uh, different options um, in terms of the makeup of that team, which is it's exciting in itself. So we'll just go through that process and then um, and see what's best fit for, for the team. How can a two-day tournament of tennis-side rugby once a year... How do you see that benefiting the whole Samoan program that you're obviously in charge of? It lies right in the middle of a very important time for us uh, in terms of it's obviously the seventh program internationally for Samoa would have kicked off in that circuit. Uh, Not only that, the Samoa A program, which is um, getting ready for its March uh, tournament. So that's uh, ideal preparation as well. And then obviously with the uh, Manu Samoa in June, um, it is an opportunity for us to actually have a look at A, maybe you know, bringing some of our international stars into that tournament, and also B, you know, where we have actually look at some fresh new faces uh, for that. So that's another pathway and another opportunity for some more players to actually put their hands up, which is it's great. It's great for us. That's Manu Samoa head coach Namala Ulu Alama Idemia. And that is the World in Sport for this week from RNZ International. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.